All right, Matthew chapter 6. Last week, we covered this section actually in Matthew chapter 6. Maybe you remember, we found out that the kind of righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees that Christ calls us to. In chapter 5, we found out that it comes from the heart. Uh, It's not just a rules righteousness. It's a from the heart righteousness. And then we found out last week that it's a kind of righteousness uh, that's, that's done for the eyes and glory of God alone. Do, do your acts of worship in secret because it's there that your heavenly father sees and will reward you when you give, not if you give, but when you give and when you pray and when you fast. Do these things as unto the Lord. Um, and if you remember, we skipped over the Lord's prayer, which is right in the middle of that and promised to come back to it. And so that's what we're going to cover today. We're going to talk and learn from Jesus about how to pray. So let me read from verse seven. I'll go back up to this section in verse seven. Jesus says, and this is God's word, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven also our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Let's pray. Our Father, we do pray and come to you now and just say, teach us. Jesus, we thank you for the the gift that this prayer is and all that it touches in our lives. Lord, I pray that, that we would hear from you, your heart, with regard to how you encouraged and taught your disciples then to pray and us now. Spirit of God, come and help us to see what you want us to see. And transform us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going to talk about one of the most probably famous pieces of text uh, in the world today. And I I would love your attention this morning because this actually might be one of the most important sermons that you'll hear this year. Um, And not because I'm preaching it, not by any means, but because of a couple of different realities. And the, the first that makes this so important is that this text actually connects to the deepest longing of our lives. And not just as Christians, but as as people. And, and why? And the reason is because we are so desperate for what is real anymore. We are so desperate and starved for real connection anymore, real relationship, real experience. We long to experience something real, which is in danger more and more in our lives because of progress and technology, which is great, by the way. But despite all the progress and all the technological advancement, the center is not holding All of the progress and all of the technological advancement has left us starving for real experience. And I think that you'd agree with me 
I think that we are, if we're honest with ourselves, I think we are so sick and tired of our phones anymore. If we are honest with ourselves, we are so tired of social media. No matter how many hours we spend on it, we are so sick and tired at the soul level, honestly, anymore, of scrolling websites. We're so sick and tired of 10,000 shows to watch, but all alone. You know what I mean? We're starving for real experience and real existential connection anymore, which is, which is what we find in this text. We long for relationship with somebody who knows us, all about us, and yet loves us and accepts us. And what is the Lord's prayer except an invitation to an experience and connection with the God who created the universe, who loves us and wants to hear our voice? That's what's going on here. Look, there's no greater invitation than the invitation into a relationship with God, whereby we can talk to him about every part of our lives, which is what we'll see in this text. So that's the first reason. This is super important because, because we long for what Jesus is going to lead us into. The second reality that supports how important this text is actually includes an irony the irony is that as important as prayer is, prayer is really hard, isn't it? It's such an irony. Prayer is ironically one of the simplest things, yet at the same time, one of the most difficult things to do. Look, if you're not a Christian here today, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here because of what I just said. Whether you know it or not, you are longing for a relationship with the God who made you and brought you here. And we hope that you will come to God through Christ. But I don't know what you know about prayer, but I'll give you a secret about Christians. Secret about Christians is that prayer is really, really hard for us. It's a really difficult thing to do. And I think the reason why is because when we pray, the simple definition of prayer is talking to God. That's all it is. You're just praying is talking to God. It's that simple. The thing is, God doesn't verbally talk back. And I think that's what makes prayer so difficult. We're used to communication two ways. If you talk to someone, then they give you immediate feedback or they talk back to you. God indeed hears our prayers and listens to our prayers and interacts with us as we pray. But because he doesn't talk back, we immediately get distracted. How many of you are like me? You start to pray, and how long do you go, right? It's just like immediately other things start coming into my mind. I become distracted. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the, the sad situation where I've had opportunity to go to a hospital and visit with someone who's unconscious or has had brain injury or in a coma, right? They're not, they're not awake, and yet the nurse will say, talk, talk to them. They can hear you. We believe that that would be helpful. Have you, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but it's super awkward, honestly, because as my, I mean, where do you start? It's like, okay, hey, I'm, I'm here. It's Eric. You remember me? You know, I mean, and then immediately you want to look at your phone and do something different. I think, I think prayer can be like that because God doesn't talk 
back. We can get so distracted. And yet, Jesus gives us a gift here. Because he teaches us not, not necessarily what to pray exactly, but how to pray. Pray like this. And, and we can find that in the 20 seconds that it takes, you can pray this in 20 seconds, or you could pray the content of the Lord's Prayer for hours if you tap into what Jesus is helping us to do. So let's jump into the prayer and let's see what Jesus wants to teach us about prayer. And what I want to do is I just want to notice uh, what he wants us to pray. What, what should we have in view as we pray, as we go through the Lord's Prayer? And then what does, what does that particular phrase touch on in our lives? And then what does praying that produce in our lives? So the first thing we know is that we pray with our Heavenly Father in view, right? Jesus says, pray like this. Pray like this. He says, our Father who is in heaven. Jesus was the first person in the Bible to call God Father, Abba, in Aramaic. This is, of course, a term of of deep intimacy. He uses the word Father 10 times in chapter 6 in the verses that we already covered last week and this week. 10 times. Your Father, your Father, your Father, your Father. Your God is my God. Your Father is my Father. He is your Father. As a matter of fact, you remember John 1, he was in the world, meaning Jesus, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Look, if you are born again, it was not because of your will, but his will. God's perfect and sovereign and unchanging will to take you into his own family and call you a son or a daughter in Christ. This is staggering, guys, that God is our father. Reminds me of the group of Bible translators who were trying to translate the Bible into an African dialect in a very remote village. And they found out from the Christians there that the word that they used for salvation in their language as they're trying to translate the Bible, the term for salvation and redemption was a word that meant pick me up. They translated it was pick me up. Jesus is my, and they didn't say salvation or redemption. They said, Jesus is my pick-me-up. Because in their history, as a very poor village, they couldn't support all the children who were born. And so every child that was born would be laid in the dirt away from the villagers. And it would stay there to die. Unless the village, as a village, decided to keep the baby. And when the villagers decided to keep the baby, the chief would go to the baby and pick it up. Pick it up and save it. Pick her up into his arms and into the village. Look, that is what God has done with us. He is our pick-me-up because he didn't leave us in death, but he chose us and took us up into his arm because of his great love for you. 
1 John 3, oh, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Galatians 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law. Why? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God is your father. Look, this is the entry point, brothers and sisters. Jesus says, start here. God is our father, and he is our father who is in heaven. It's not just that God is in his heavens, all is right with the world. It is our father is in his heavens. All is right with my world. We must start there. I encourage you in your prayer life, don't proceed until you're in that space. Our father, our father. Our Father. He's not like your earthly Father. He's our Father in heaven, perfect in glory and power and love for you. And when you pray with our Father in heaven in view, what does this touch on? It touches on the deep love that God has for you. It touches on the reality that God is for you and eagerly invites you into his presence and wants to hear all of your prayers. It touches on the connection that we long for. where we're fully known and yet fully loved and accepted. Our Father. And what does this produce? It produces intimacy. It produces boldness. And it also produces a kind of reorientation in our lives, doesn't it? A a reorientation that continues actually into the second. Jesus teaches us to pray with worship in view, right? Our Father. In heaven, hallowed be your name. This is a request that the name of God would be hallowed, that is revered or sanctified, honored, held in awe. In other words, pray with worship in view. Maybe you've learned to pray this way, to begin with adoration. It's right. This is where we see that, with worship. This is that part where you consider who God is. And, and we're reoriented, aren't we? We are immediately invited to reoriented that all that is seen is not the most important thing in, in our existence. Yeah, we walk by, by sight. But when you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, the, the world gets turned right side up again. Look, in Psalm 138, verse 2, it says, For you have exalted above all things, your name, and your word. God has exalted. What's the highest thing in our existence according to God? His name and his word. And so when you you pray, hallowed be your name, we're joining into that desire that exists around the throne of God right now. We're 24-7. Angels and saints are worshiping God and who he is. We join in with that. And this reality, again, that God is great. I think when we we pray, hallowed be your name, we are confessing that the worst kind of life is when, when life is big, but God is small. That's the worst kind of life. And Jesus knows it. When life and what you see is big, but God is tiny, 
and relatively insignificant, small in glory, small in power, small in impact. But Jesus says, start, start with your mind in the heavens. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What a gift that Jesus gives to us. Pray this way. You can say that phrase, and isn't it interesting and ironic? Again, Jesus has said, don't keep up empty phrases. And yet in the history of the world in the last 2,000 years, this is the most memorized piece of text probably in the world and recited. How strange was, I, was it that I just read that by myself a minute ago, right? How many of you wanted to instinctively jump in with me? Right? Because I'm praying the Our Father. So indeed, you can pray this prayer straight. Hallowed be your name. You can say that. But think if that's a hyperlink. That could hyperlink into hours of worship. Just that one phrase. Start with who God is. And, and this desire for the worship and renown of God throughout the world. What a gift Jesus gives us. Because he knows that the things of earth grow strangely dim. When and where? In the light of his glory. In the light of his grace. Look, this, this turns the world right side up. This touches on what we were created for. To worship God. Touches into that longing that God's name would be made known throughout the world. So our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then third and fourth, actually, will we pray with God's active, redemptive, and sovereign power in mind. And these are the third and fourth requests. I'll put these together. Where Jesus teaches us to pray with God's active and redemptive and sovereign power in mind. That's what he's getting at when it says, your kingdom come, pray this way, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, what does that mean? What is the kingdom of God except for his perfect reign over us in our lives? What is the kingdom of God? At the end, we know it's going to be his kingdom in perfection with no more sin, righteousness, peace, and joy, and perfection forever and ever and ever. All that is right, we pray your kingdom come. This is what Cornelius Plantinga Jr. says. He says, the prophets, they dreamed of a new age in which crookedness would be straightened out, rough places made plain, the foolish would be made wise and the wise humble. They dreamed of a time when the deserts would flower, the mountains would stream with red wine, a time when weeping would be heard no more wine, a time when war and when people could sleep without weapons on their laps. People could work in peace, their work having meaning and a point. A lion could lie down with the lamb, the lion cured of all carnivorous appetite. All nature would be fruitful, benign, and filled with wonder upon wonder. All humans would be knit together in brotherhood and sisterhood. And all nature and all humans would look to God, walk with God, lean toward God, and delight in God. Their shouts of joy and recognition welling up from valleys and crags, from women in the streets and men on the ships. The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation and justice 
fulfillment and delight. Shalom means universal flourishing wholeness and delight. Where do you long for that in your life? Is anything wrong in your life today? Let me ask that again. How many things are wrong in your life today? And I guess we laugh because we can't cry. Seriously. Things that are so broken, so stressful. We're so anxious. Relational conflict. Any of that in this room? Things so broken that they, they probably won't be repaired in this life. We've got people in physical pain sitting here right now, just trying to be distracted away from the pain, listening to a sermon. Got doctor's appointments and diagnoses and members, dear members of our church in hospitals right now. Right? We, we long for your kingdom come. What is the, the kingdom of God except his power that breaks into all of that brokenness? and has power to fix what is broken and to heal what is sick and bring kingdom peace where there is war. Look, when you pray your kingdom come, it touches on all the places where sin decays and destroys. We pray that all that is wrong would be made right and that God's will would be accomplished on earth. Father, on earth right now, will your kingdom power come into this situation? Look, you can say that phrase in 1.2 seconds, but you can pray for things for hours with that in view, can't you? In all of the places of your life. And what does this prayer produce? What is this? Praying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, doesn't it? Doesn't it invite honesty? that we can bring to God what is truly broken or hurting? Doesn't it acknowledge sorrow and real pain? Can't you be real with, with your Father in heaven and cry to Jesus at times? It acknowledges sorrow and real pain, and yet it touches on the real longing in our heart that it wouldn't stay this way. Yeah, that his, his kingdom in full and glory would come. Yes, I pray that, I agree with that. Lord Jesus, come now. Wouldn't that be cool if Jesus came right now? We pray that. But look, do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. And is all creation groaning? It is. And is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? It is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I think it also, this produces trust and invites faith that God indeed is sovereign over all. Your will be done. God accomplishes all things according to his will. 
Look, your will be done is such a gold mine if you are learning how to trust God. To submit yourself to your heavenly Father's will over all things. Not a square inch of your life is, it, is he not sovereign over, ordaining or allowing, all working together for your good. This produces trust. It produces obedience because we pray that his revealed will will be done. And we know what that is in scripture. We know what his will is for our lives. So when we pray that, it produces obedience. Now it's true that these first three phrases, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that these are all God word. And it's, it's just so interesting. The Ten Commandments have this like God word, first five, and then us word, last five. Uh, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength, and then love your neighbor. Second one, us word, love your uh, neighbor as yourself. It's the same here in the Lord's prayer because we make a transition, the number four, to praying with provision in mind. And this is, again, familiar territory, but give us this day our daily bread is, is what you think. This is a prayer for daily provision. It certainly harkens back to the miracle of God in the desert when he provided manna, which, remember, was good for one day. And he reminded the Israelites of their daily need to trust and rely on God who provides all things for all of us. Look, what do you have that you have not received? And yet, why do we boast as if we did not receive it in the first place? Praise God from whom all blessings flow, amen? Everything that we have, all I have needed. You sing that with me when we sing that song, right? Do you believe it? Do I believe it? All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. It is so true. God is our provider. This part of the prayer touches on our dependence on God and it produces humility in us all. His hand provides for us, not my own, and it produces expectation, doesn't it? Expectation and faith that God sees our needs and knows what we need even before we ask. And if we need it, our Father in heaven will provide it. That's what we pray. Is there anything you need in your life right now? In any direction, in any direction. You could pray for a long time, just bringing your needs to God, knowing that he hears and provides. Jesus also teaches us to pray, not just with provision in mind, but we also pray with the gospel in mind, right? He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Like this is functional gospel language that touches on the reality of indwelling and ongoing sin in our lives, but sin that is covered every time by the blood of Jesus. When we confess our sins and repent of our sins, and this also when we consider the forgiveness that we have found in Jesus and his blood shed for us, it motivates our forgiveness of others. Isn't that what Jesus says, tags on at the end? If you, if you don't forgive others, you will not be forgiven. 
Not because your forgiveness before God is dependent on something that you do, but because an unforgiving heart is the evidence of a heart that knows nothing of God's forgiveness. Those who know that they are loved and freely forgiven of all they have ever done, gladly and freely forgive anything done to them. So this this part of the prayer fixes our eyes on the cross, on Jesus Christ crucified for us. It fixes our eyes on Jesus and his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of real sin in our lives. Which because sin so easily entangles, is the sins are many in our lives. Not just sins that we do on a daily basis, but those patterns of sin that we feel so hopeless that we'll ever really truly be free from or change. Look, Jesus says, pray like this, pray to your Father in heaven, forgive me. There is such a beautiful and powerful cleansing that happens in this invitation that Jesus just says, look, come as a child to your father and say, please forgive me. I know what I've done. And I know that it's unholy in your sight. And I know it's exact opposite of what you desire and command for me for my good. And yet I do it again and again. Will you forgive me? To which God, your father, says with his son pleading for you with the scars on his hands and feet inside saying, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them every time. Look, it's such a powerful invitation to approach a God who knows you. You've never hidden a moment of your life from his view. And yet we act like because of that, we need to be ashamed and not enter into his presence. But instead, he knows you and welcomes you in and and loves you and accepts you. The, The way in has been made by the blood of Jesus that forgives you every time. So what does this produce? Except honesty, again, we can just be real with our Father about who we are and how we are produces confession and repentance, as well as that conscience-cleansing, no-condemnation experience of his full and free forgiveness because of Jesus. And then it launches us into gospel-centered relationships, where gospel love and mercy and grace triumphs over sin in our relationships. As we forgive those who sin against us, Gospel forgiveness and acceptance and reconciliation is our way of life. And so we pray with Jesus in view. Six, we pray with protection in mind, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus, it's interesting that Jesus starts this prayer in the heavens with God our Father and ends this prayer singed with the fires of hellish temptation because of the evil one. What is not included in this prayer? We pray for protection against falling into temptation to sin. God does not tempt us as we know, as James tells us, we are tempted by sin. So we pray that we will not be led into 
temptation, but away from temptation. And we pray for deliverance and protection from the evil one who is always seeking those whom he can devour, but never without God's permission. Lead us not at temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Doesn't this touch on our need for God and his power every moment of our lives? His power as we face temptation and sin, which again, daily, so easily entangles us. We pray for God's provision. We pray for God's forgiveness. We pray for God's protection. And again, you can say those phrases so quickly. Finally, we'll close here, and and I think it's interesting because the prayer is, is technically ended. And yet we pray with community and mission in mind, don't we? Do you notice how this entire prayer is in the plural? Our Father, who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors, right? It's, it's, it's interesting to rake back through the Lord's Prayer with community and mission in mind. Because we pray to our Father which means that we pray as a part of a community. That Jesus saves a people for himself. And we address God, our Father, as a part of that people. It doesn't say my Father who is in heaven. It says our Father. Give us our daily bread. It doesn't say give me my daily bread. Have you ever prayed for provision of our daily bread? Have you ever prayed with the spiritual community that you are a part of in view as you think about God providing daily bread for us? Not just me and mine, but give us our daily bread. When you think about forgive our trespasses, you ever thought about that as, as a spiritual community? Not just my sins, but Father, forgive us our trespasses. Isn't it interesting? Deliver us from temptation and the evil one. Pray that for yourself every day, yes, for sure. But do you pray that for your brothers and sisters who are part of the spiritual community that we're in? Lead us, all of us, not into temptation today. And think about how this prayer fuels our heart for mission. That his, hallowed be your name. Not just in my life and from my heart and from my lips, but hallowed be your name in every nation, tribe, and tongue around the world. May this be. May your kingdom come and your will be done in the dead hearts of men and women who you can make alive all around the world today. Look, we long for his saving power and reign to come. His sovereign saving purposes to explode into the lives of of those who don't know Jesus. We pray with our heavenly father in view, right? 
We pray with worship in view. We pray with God's power and his sovereignty, his redemptive kingdom to come. We pray with that in view. In every area of our lives, we pray with provision in view. We pray with the gospel in view. We pray with protection in view. And we pray with us in view. Again, do you see the gift that this prayer is? That as you consider these categories, yes, we could pray this in 20 seconds, or this might be a doorway as Jesus intended it to be, an invitation for us to communicate with our Father about every area of our lives. In that hospital situation that I was talking about before, what has been awkward for me is never awkward for the kids who come into the room. Never. Dad, it's Jenny. You won't believe what happened today. The strawberries are growing and the trees are getting green again. And oh, Georgie, you won't believe. Yeah, you will believe it. Georgie, he did that thing again. I mean, cha 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 Why? Because they're father. Father, bust right in and talk about everything and anything. Look, that's what Jesus is inviting us into. Amen? So how do we apply this except what you would think? I'd encourage you to pray tonight before you go to bed. Just pray. And again, remember that this is what we long for. This is that place of maybe the most real thing that you'll do today in real relational connection with someone who knows you and loves you. And remember that it, I guarantee you it's going to be hard because <laughs> it is. How, how, for how many of you is prayer hard? I'll start. I'll raise my hand. Prayer is hard for me. How, you would agree with that statement. See how it's almost everybody? We're all the same. It, it, it reminds me of Screwtape Letters. You know this book by C.S. Lewis? like Wormwood freaking out because Jesus just gave them how to pray. Not, not pray this, not the rote prayer, but he just gave them the invitation to connect with God Almighty in every area of their lives. What are we going to do? And Uncle Screwtape says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll just, we'll just make prayer hard. First of all, the first thing we'll do is we'll just make them think that that's the prayer that you should pray over and over and over and over and over again. So that becomes so familiar that they're not even thinking about the words that Jesus himself gave them. That's the first thing we'll do. Don't worry about that. And then secondly, we'll just make prayer so super hard. They'll get so distracted that Christians who are invited to communicate with God Almighty will live most of their life prayerless. That's what we'll do. And Wormwood would say, impossible. I don't believe that for a minute. That's impossible that Christians aren't going to pray to their father according to how Jesus just encouraged them to. And Screwtape would just say, just watch. And that strategy works its way even in my own life and all of us. So how do we apply this except let's, let's believe together, us. That tonight, before you go to bed, even as you're going to bed, use this familiar prayer. Approach God as your father. Just start there. My father, my father, our father, our father. And then use these categories to pray about your life and see 
what happens as you connect with and communicate with God who loves you and saved you through his son. Amen? Let's pray. And worship team, you can join me. Father in heaven, we do confess to you that too much of our lives are prayerless, that we don't, for all of the reasons, all of the above, that prayer is difficult, that it's, it's so hard. We get so distracted and our minds wander so quickly. And then we just become so discouraged and we quit and we give up and we, we go to the next thing. But Jesus, we recognize the, the powerful gift that you've given to us in these words. Jesus, what a thing to be taught by you this morning how to pray. And Lord, we, we admit that it, it does explode with possibilities when we connect these categories to every part of our lives. There's just simply nothing that we can't talk to you about. So by your spirit, would you lead us as we seek to pray, as we seek to talk to you, as we come to you as our Father who loves us. Help us to not be like the Gentiles who just heap up those phrases thinking that we'll be heard by the professionalism of our prayers or the, the length of our prayers. Help us to just talk to you as, as our Father. Lord, lead us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.